Well, Merry Christmas Eve, everyone. So glad you're here. My name is Timothy. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Central, and I'm excited to be with you this evening. As Daniel said, if you're here for the first time, we're so glad that you're here. If you're here with family or visiting family, we're, we're, we're glad to have you as well. Please, we welcome you every year uh, this time of year. It's great to have you. Tonight we're going to be concluding our Advent sermon series entitled Songs of Christmas. And for this final week, we're going to be looking not at a song from Luke's gospel, but a song sung by the prophet Isaiah, a song that was written some 700 years before the birth of Christ. And yet I think it's a perfect conclusion to our series, one final song for us as we prepare our hearts for Christmas morning. I'm not going to read uh, the text again. It's in your uh, bulletin, and we read it earlier, but I am going to ask that you join me in prayer as we dive into God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word. We believe your Word is true, and we ask that you would speak to us now through your Word, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand. Would we encounter you, the living God, and be transformed in Jesus' name? Amen. So the first thing I want to say is that I'm so glad that you kiddos are in here tonight, and we're almost there. You've done great. I'm really grateful. One little thing to help you as we get into our, our message tonight, I'm going to be talking a lot about light and darkness, and I'd love for you to listen for two things. Try to figure out what causes the darkness and what brings the light. What causes the darkness and what brings the light? Now, as I was thinking about this sermon, I've been thinking about uh, what do I want for Christmas. We talked about this a few weeks ago, and pretty high on my bucket list is a visit to the state of Alaska. Uh, everyone who I've talked to uh, said that it's just breathtaking. Just the, the beauty is this untamed, wild, amazing glory. And I'm not, I didn't get that for Christmas. I'm not going to Alaska, but hopefully someday I will get to do that. But as I was thinking about this desire, I have this desire to live, to, I mean, to visit Alaska, but I have no desire to live in Alaska. You couldn't pay me uh, to live in the state of Alaska, which is actually what the state of Alaska does. They pay people to live there. I don't know if you knew that, but last year, residents of Alaska were given $3,284 just to spend that year in the state of Alaska. And you might be asking, why would you need to be paid to live in such a beautiful place? And, and one of you, or many of you, might think it's because of how cold it is, but that's actually not the main reason. The main reason why people need to be paid to live in Alaska is because during the winter months, there is a time where there is no sunlight at all, weeks upon weeks where it is completely dark 24 hours a day. I mean, can you imagine what that would be like? Research shows, you probably could guess this, that that's not very good for your soul to be in darkness. A psychology professor from the University of Alaska said that the side effects that are experienced in this season are laziness, a heightened desire for sleep, cravings for carbohydrates, feelings of melancholy, fuzzy thinking, and loss of libido or sociability. That kind of sounds like a case of the Mondays for me, but... That's what they say happens. The, the point is it's not good for your soul to be in that much darkness. The prophet Isaiah is writing this song for people who were like Alaskans living in darkness. 
And the song is to teach God's people how to survive until the light comes. And there's two things that I want you to see in this text. I hope these will be things you can take with you as you head into your Christmas celebration. The prophet is calling us to sit in the darkness and to identify the true light. So the context here as we think about sitting in the dark, darkness is that God's people, they're, they're enslaved at this time. They're enslaved by the Assyrians. This is one of the darkest times in Israel's history. And we need to go back to chapter 1 to, to, to really understand how this happened, how this dark mess came about. It says in chapter 1, the prophet says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children I have reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. What the text says is that the darkness, it comes from sin. It comes from choosing not to live like our creator God has told us to live. And because we have chosen to ignore God's will and, and live our own way, everything is dark now. Sin messed everything up. And th think about this. Everything that is ugly in this world, everything that is ugly in my heart and in your heart is because of sin. And what's really hard is that to really lean into the spirit of Advent is to sit in that darkness, to sit in that reality. It's interesting, in Alaska, they've come up with some really amazing ways to get through this dark season. One of the most sophisticated ways they do this is called light therapy. What they do is they, you, you have this box, and, and it gives off bright light, and that light mimics the light of the sun. So it's kind of fascinating that the way that the people in Alaska, they get through the darkness is by pretending. They pretend that it's not so dark outside. That's what God's people did, too. We see this throughout the Old Testament. As they got tired of sitting in the darkness, they got tired of waiting, so they tried to fake it. And the way that they faked it is, that, is they built fake gods out of wood, out of stone, and they bow down to these gods and they try to soak up some of their light, their fake light. The question is for you and me, how are we dealing with the darkness? What light therapy are we trying to use in order to not be in it? I have to admit that for me, this has been a pretty turbulent advent. I feel like the darkness has, has felt darker than usual I see so much brokenness, and my, my desire to turn on some fake lights has been strong. My desire to, to numb out and escape the darkness has, has been great. Thinking about turning on the fake lights of food or alcohol or lust or comfort or money. Not to mention the fake lights of all this stuff, that, that it is brighter than ever this time of year. We're all being fed this message that if we get some more stuff, if, if, if we get the right gift or the latest toy or electronic or a new car or a new house, then it won't be so dark anymore. The truth is there's only one true light. And that true light is the only thing that can overwhelm the darkness that is in us, that is in around us. So we have to sit in the darkness and wait for that lasting true light. See, the problem with Israel is they had muted the darkness with their fake lights. And so even though there was over 300 prophecies talking about this great light that was coming, they missed it. And my fear, church, is that we might miss it too. I want to look very quickly at verse 6. This is the chorus of Isaiah's song. 
It's a glorious picture of what this true light looks like, this light that we are supposed to look for. It's this light that brings salvation to the world. I'm going to read it again. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, God's people, they were waiting for a mighty warrior, but the prophet says a child is coming. But this is no ordinary child. And the, and the prophet gives us these special names for the child. And, and the original audience, they would have known what was going on here. These were throne names. These were names that were given to a king, names to demonstrate the king's strength and power. Wonderful counselor. doesn't mean that he's a therapist. It means that he's a, a military strategist. This, this king is one who has a great plan, and his plan will succeed. My God. Not only does he have a great strategy, but it means that this king is powerful. He's actually able to accomplish the strategy. He has the strength to achieve the plan to make it happen. Everlasting father means that not only does this king come to rule, but he rules not with strength and might, but with love and tenderness. No king was referred to as a father in this day and age. Kings were bowed down to and revered. They were not those who came to offer a loving embrace, but this is no ordinary king. The final name he's given is the Prince of Peace, meaning this is the kind of kingdom that our king brings. It will be a kingdom like, unlike any other, a kingdom of peace, a king that will put to death war and suffering, oppression and evil. That's the bright light that Israel was supposed to be waiting for. A mighty king with a perfect strategy to redeem the world. A strategy that comes with love and not might and produces perfect peace for the whole world. Church, the light is Jesus Christ. And his light is the only light that can truly overwhelm the darkness that is around us and in us. A few weeks ago, I got the chance to hear one of my favorite songs of Christmas. That's what I want to leave you with. The Hallelujah Chorus from, from Handel's Messiah. And I love the tradition that comes with this song. That we stand, regardless of our, our, our religious affiliation, Christian or not, we stand for the Hallelujah Chorus. And I know we do that to honor Handel's brilliance, but, but I think the standing is not just about the music. I think we stand because we have tasted how dark this world is. And all of creation is longing for the words of this song to be true. We stand because we long for an all-powerful king who comes and rules us in love. And we long for his loving rule and, and reign to last forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. And so when we as Christians, when we hear that chorus, we stand because we know the words of Isaiah 9 are true. The light really has come. Our king has, put an, has, has begun to put the world back to right. And one day, someday, his light will fill the earth. And he will put an end to the darkness once and for all. And so I leave you with this charge. When you wake up tomorrow morning, whether you are surrounded by family or alone, whether the tree is surrounded by gifts or there's no tree at all, whether this Christmas season has been full of joy or shrouded in pain and sadness, 
I charge you to stand and to defiantly proclaim in the face of the darkness that the great light has come. And that the darkness doesn't stand a chance because he shall reign forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you came and you conquered death and you rule and reign on high. And Father, the darkness argues against that, and we sometimes doubt, and we look to fake lights. We look to things other than you for joy and satisfaction and hope and peace. Father, this Christmas season, would you remind us once again that you are the true light, and only you can overcome the darkness. And would we run to you? and be amazed and overwhelmed by your goodness and faithfulness that you truly are a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.